Good morning. I want to thank everyone for coming out and being with us this morning. I'm, uh, I see with the crowd, they probably didn't announce I was going to be here last week. But uh, Sister Donna was talking about the family, and I was thinking just a few mo moments ago, um, Donna's mom and dad was very instrumental in bringing my parents into the kingdom uh, of the church. Uh, my mother and father, uh, my father was uh, in the Marine Corps and got saved in a church of Christ, which my mother was raised in. And uh, daddy had decided he was going to uh, preach. And he, uh, he sent mama back home and he finished out his, his stint in the Marine Corps, and uh, Chet, I'm sure many of you know Chet, Chet and Bonnie invited Mom to the West Bend First Church of God to uh, a revival service, and that was when Dad came home on leave, that was the first time that he heard the message of the Reformation and heard the message of the Church of God. And... Uh, pledged his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ there to, to preach the message of the church of God. And um, I was a big old boy before I knew anything else. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We are so glad to be with you this morning. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to come and uh, uh, preach for you today. Um, been here several times before. Uh, attending the camp meeting, preached at the camp meeting a couple times, um, and we're just honored to be with you today. I have my beautiful wife, Lori, with me. She's sitting over there in the corner, and uh, I told her when we pulled in this morning, I said, now we're going to uh, uh, probably make somebody mad because I'm taking a front row place, and so if I took your parking spot, um, Lori drove, and if not, then I don't care if you know that I drove or not. Why are we where that we're at in our nation today? Why is the church in the condition and the position that it's in? Why does it seem that um, the wicked continually gets its way and the righteous, we just sort of sit back and take it. I was listening to a message, um, I believe it was on a podcast this past Friday. And um, the title of the message was Tolerating the Intolerable. And the gentleman that was preaching began to talk about how that we in the life of the church have just begun to tolerate. We've just decided it was easier to just sit back and allow what to happen, what happens to happen. We've just decided that 
You know, it's okay. It's okay. We don't have to agree with what the world is doing. We, we don't even have to um, participate in what the world is doing. We don't even have to pretend that we like what the world is doing, but we're just going to sit back and we're not going to rock the boat. That way we can just go ahead and live our lives and we, live, we leave them alone and they will leave us alone and everything will be okay in the end. Man. He made me think. And that's tough to do. If you was to get to know me a little better, you would realize that. We serve a God as... Brother Lane said that he knows our name. I can't even remember my children's name from time to time. I run through all six. I'm, I mean, why even pretend? I woke up the other morning and wasn't even sure what my name was. He counts the very sands that's on the beach. He knows and is able to meet out the waters and tell us how much that they weigh. He knows everything that's within our world and our aspect of knowledge. He knows more about it than what we could ever dream. As Sister Donna said, there is no denomination of money that can even begin to talk about the goodness and the worth of our God, but yet we've decided that we're just going to tolerate the intolerable. Okay. In the book of Deuteronomy, the children of Israel have begun to accomplish a great deal. They've begun to take over the I Here's a clock, and y'all got it taped to the pulpit. Y'all didn't know I was coming. <laughs> I have squirrel moments from time to time. I'm sorry. Um, they, they have begun to take over the promised land that God had given them, and they are beginning to see the, the worth of all that they have accomplished and all that they have done. But here in the fourth chapter, Moses speaks to them, and he says, Now, I want you to have an understanding of some stuff. We ain't done yet. We ain't done yet. And if you're not careful, what's going to end up happening is you're going to begin to just get used to everything that's going on. And you're going to lose out. You're going to lose out. It's like the story of putting the frog in the pot. If you put him in scalding hot water, they say that he just jumps on out. But if you put him in the water and then just begin to turn up the heat just a little bit at a time, he grows accustomed to the heat and he will set and broil or boil himself to death. A 
See, you don't, you don't have to like what I'm getting ready to say this morning because I'm getting ready to go home. You don't have to agree with anything that I have to say. You don't even have to agree with what we're going to begin to read in God's Word. That's your prerogative. But what is beginning to happen in the life of the church today, let's forget about what's going on in the world. We can't do much about that. Let's forget about what's going on in Washington. We're just one vote. We can forget about what's going on in Licking County. Typically, if it's like any other county that I've ever been to, you're just a name that's on a water bill. But the downgradement of the church, that lies on you. That lies on me. The life of the church being not what it should be, not what it once was, is no one else's fault. Ours. And Moses warned us. The prophets of old have warned us. The ministers that we have stood upon their backs for many years have warned us and we're at the point now that we're beginning to lose out. Don't you tell me, Pastor Anthony, that I'm losing out. You don't know me. No, but you're a whole lot like me. And we're not what we once was, are we? Start with verse number 15. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Herod, out of the midst of the fire. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make ye a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. And least thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars and even all the host of the heavens, shouldest thou be driven, or shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord Thy God has divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sake and swear that I should not go over Jordan and that I should not go in unto, the, in unto that good land which the Lord thy God given thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but you shall go and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God. Which, made, which he made with you, 
and make you a graven, graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God has forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt begat children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and ye shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shalt do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods. The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor bear nor eat nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. And if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation and all these things are coming to thee, even in the latter days, if thou wilt turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. And he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, for, uh, forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. You know what part of the problem is in the life of the church today? I believe that we have forgotten the truth of verse number 24. Our God is a jealous God. Our God has to be the center of attention. And now we must understand this one principle. That God either has your attention or he will do whatever it takes to get it. He's got to be the sinner. When all my four children were home and they were growing up, the, the fourth of the bunch was the little girl. And the little girl was the one that always wanted daddy's attention and when I was paying attention to one of the other children she would start with uh, daddy 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 and she'd come up and she would start tugging on my pant leg or something of that nature and and I would sort of shoo her off while I was messing around with one of the other boys and then she would start that oh daddy oh daddy and I'd begin to pay a little bit more attention to her, but then I'd go back to whatever I was doing with the boys. And then she would end up doing something that either put herself in harm's way or something that she knew she shouldn't do. Whatever it took for my attention. God is a jealous God, and there will be no one before him. There will be nothing that is before him. 
And Moses felt that it was important not only to remind the children of Israel once, but he turns back around and tells them again, do not have anything before God. And in verse 25, he says that after you've been there for a while, and you begin to populate the land and they begin to be more Israelites than they are anybody else. And you feel like that you're powerful and you feel like that you have accomplished some good things and you feel like that you've done what needs to be done and you feel like that you've been pleasing to God and you look around this land of promise and you think, look what my God's done for me. Be careful. Because it's at that moment that it will be simple to take your eyes off Him and look elsewhere. And God at that time will no longer be the center of your attention. You see, my friends, no matter how long that we are in the way, no matter how long that we've been walking with Jesus, there is still immediate danger that our souls could be lost. Whatever occupies the primary place in our heart becomes our God. Just as the children of Israel are in great danger of allowing visible things to assume the throne of their hearts and lives and root out God from His proper position, we, we as well, can become very preoccupied on other things that's going on and lose out with our God. Have you ever tolerated the intolerable? Have you ever been guilty of not only unto yourself, Maybe it was just in your own mind. Maybe you would never speak it out in, in, in verbally. But you said, you know, we got to take the good with the bad. Has that thought ever crossed your mind? You know, pastor, I, I, I go to church every Sunday. You know, Pastor, I, I, uh, I attend worship every time the doors are open and I, and I make sure that I sing them good old Church of God hymns. And I make sure that when I'm supposed to, I say amen. And I make sure when I'm supposed to, I raise my hand in praise. And I make sure when I'm supposed to, I do all the right things. And I believe that I'm going to be okay. But we just don't need to rock the boat. Moses was saying, be careful. Be careful. Sometimes the boat needs to be rocked. We need revival. Revival. And outside of revival, they will be souls that will absolutely split hell wide open. 
that are in the house of God today, maybe not in this house, but are in the house of God somewhere, and they're saying in their mind, everything is okay. Everything is okay. And I'm afraid that the blood will be on our hands. We talk of a Jesus today that, that is, uh, my wife and I was talking about this on the car right up here. We, we talk of a Jesus today that has beautiful, waving, flowing hair, much like mine. We talk of a Jesus today that has hands that has never seen an honest day's work. We talk of a Jesus today that has pure and, and, and milky complexion. We talk of a Jesus today that doesn't look like he's been out in the sun an hour of his life. We talk of a Jesus today that wears the beautiful white flowing robe. And has the most gorgeous pedicured toes and manicured fingers. And we stand up and preach if you have an empty place in your life, an empty a hole in your soul, Jesus will fill it. I'll tell you what Jesus will do. He will eradicate sin. We don't preach sin. We're scared of hurting someone. We're scared of causing someone to get in a position to where they feel a little bit uncomfortable about their self. I preached a message similar to this at my home church just a few weeks ago and there was a lady that came to the altar and everybody in the house would have, you know, would have thought there was no question in her mind that she was going to heaven. And, and she has problems with one of her sons. He's a drug addict. And, and uh, her daughter is raising the, the, the boy's uh, uh, two sons. And, I, and, you know, just typical America today. And she come to the altar and I knelt down with her. And I said, what, what can we pray about? Expecting that I would hear Chad. And she looked at me and she said, I want to be sure I'm going home. Now, I'm really going to upset somebody because I upset a couple, a few at my church as well, I'm sure. But don't sit back there and think, well, she should have been sure. I have a no-so salvation. Do you? Are you sanctified or petrified? Don't lose out. Be cautious. Don't get in the frame of thinking that the devil is not concerned about you. If he's not concerned, I would be concerned. You see, God has a burning zeal for His own glory. He guards it with a jealous care. He will not spare those who dishonor Him. We're in desperate need of putting God back into His rightful place. Do we honor God with 
our lives? Is he first place in our heart? Is he the consuming fire? Or has something else crept in and slowly but surely taken over the place that's been reserved for him? What's the cause of losing out? What's the cause of forgetting the things of God? Well, verse 23 he says, take heed upon yourselves, lest you do what? Forget the covenant. You ever forget anything? I do. And a few weeks ago, someone was on Facebook selling something. Y'all do that in Ohio, sell stuff on Facebook? Sell stuff on Facebook, and my wife said, I want that picture. So I got a hold of the fellow that was selling it, and I said, buddy, I, I, I want the picture. Have you sold it yet? And he, uh, he said no, and, and uh, his, my wife said, well, said, we'll come by and pick it up in a couple days. Well, he was getting married, and he was going to be gone. And so the next week, my wife said, Anthony, you need to go and pick up that picture for me. I forgot. You ever forget? I forgot. So a couple days later, she said, you need to go and pick up that picture for me. I forgot. You ever forget? Forgot. The third time. And you know what she did the third time? She told me, she said, it just seems like you're forgetting me more lately. I hurt her feelings. Oh, she wasn't. We didn't fight or we didn't choose up divorce lawyers or, you know, I didn't have sleep in the car or anything of that nature. But she said, it just seems like that you're forgetting me on this. Is there times that we forget the covenant that we made with God? And it's not the big things. It's not the big thing. Sometimes it's the small stuff. But there's no small stuff to God. There's small stuff to you and I. But there's no small stuff to God. And we grow forgetful. But Moses said, don't forget. The danger was that the children of Israel would get so comfortable to their new surroundings that they would forget what brought them there. We get so caught up in everyday life. And then we begin to forget the guiding hand of God. And then the angry waves of our soul, they seem to calm down and they seem to just settle a little bit. So now we're gliding. And we just sort of forget about God. When I was a teenager, there was a lady who started coming to my father's, the church he pastored in Clearfield, Kentucky, Moorhead area. And her son and I were best friends, and I knew her very well, and she had cancer. 
And she came to the altar and gave her heart to the Lord during a revival. And man, you're talking about somebody who's on fire. She was on fire. She was set ablaze. And God healed her of cancer. There was no other way. They wouldn't even do chemotherapy on her. They said, you're just too far gone. And said, we will do it and it'll, it'll add so much. But said, you're not going to have the quality of life. Blah, blah, blah. I've heard all that before. And God completely and utterly healed her. And a couple years later, about a year and a half, I guess, she went nowhere around. My dad went to see her, and I was just being nosy. I, you know, I wasn't a Christian at the time. And I was just being a nosy teenager. And I said, Dad, where's sister so-and-so? And he said, son, the simple and plain fact is she's not scared anymore. The angry waves were over. And she forgot. She forgot. I don't remember a time that they've not been some sort of sickness in my family's life. My mother got a rare blood disease when I was real young and um, I had started having seizures when I was at the age of 10. My dad had a massive heart attack that took uh, triple bypass surgery at the age of about 55. And they told him he was very young to have that type of heart attack. I don't remember a time that sickness has not been a place in my family. I lost my arm at 23. But I can tell you this. I can remember the trials and the tribulations of our life. But I also can look back and see the ability, the power, and the anointing of God through them all. They've not been a time he's let us down. They've not been a time he's not worked that miracle that we've needed. There's not been a time that God's looked at us and said, I, I'm tired of you bunch. Every time, Every time. Why should I forget? Why should I forget? See, the weapon may be formed, <laughs> but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. One writer said to forget his promise is to lean on the paralyzed arm of flesh. We sing a song within the, within the church of God that says his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my hope and stay. Upon Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Then he said again in 23, it ain't noon, is it? Y'all didn't set this back, did you? <laughs> again in 23, he says, take heed to yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which, made, which he made with you, and make you a grain of an image or a likeness of anything which the Lord thy God has forbidden thee. We lose out when we lack worship. 
Do you have a true worship experience with God? I'm not talking about what we've done here today. This was awesome. This was awesome. My, my soul was energized. And it was blessed and it was lifted up. But there's more to it than this. Do you have a true worship experience with God? Do you enter to the throne room of grace? Is God high and lifted up every day of your life? Do you honor Him? Do you praise Him? They tell a story of a husband and wife that was talking on the way home one afternoon from worship service. And the wife had noticed that when the offering plate went by that he had just slipped in two cruddy little dollar bills and she knew that they could afford much more than that. And the gentleman said, you know what, I, I, I just feel like next Sunday we're going to start looking for another place to go. I'm not getting fed. And the wife looked at him and she said, no, we're not going anywhere. She said, the children love the youth pastor and I really love the worship service and the pastor really feeds my soul and the woman's, women's group, I feel the fellowship there that I stand in need of and we're not going anywhere just because you're getting your two dollars worth. Before we begin to criticize the return from God, we need to see if we're putting into it what? God requires. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about you giving your heart and life totally and solely to Him. Well, I believe in giving. But I believe in giving all. Give it all. We like worship than the life of the church anymore. We don't have the true spirit a lot of times. Sometimes we get caught up in the programs and we get caught up in this and that. We get caught up in the likes and the dislikes of our personal self. And we lose out. We lose out. I don't like the way they've done that. Well, are they out of line or are you out of line? My concern is sometimes that we're all out of line. Why? Why do we allow our own personal selves to stand in the way of the blessings of God? I believe it was Brother Romine that said in his prayer that he was saved from himself. 
You want to know who the biggest enemy of Anthony Mollahan is? Anthony Mollahan. I'm the biggest enemy of myself. I'll allow pride. I'll allow stubbornness. I'll allow just being flat out hateful and mean. I know that I don't look that way and I look very joyous and, and, and easy to get along with. But there's times that I can just, I can be hateful. I can be opinionated. Anybody else opinionated? Paul Washer made a statement one time that really stuck to me. And he said, when a man or, when a man or a woman gets into the pulpit and says, I'm just going to tell you today what's on my heart. He said, I get up and leave. I don't want to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear, thus saith the word of God. Sometimes what's on my heart, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear my opinion because it surely won't be yours probably. But we need to meet where God is. Verse 25, he said they was going to have self-corruption if they wasn't careful. When you forget your covenant with God, when you lack true worship in your lives, you know what's going to happen? We'll rot and we'll die. Preacher, I don't know what happened to me. I do. I do. We quit coming to church. We quit praying. We quit reading our Bibles. Put it in plain and simple terms. We quit serving. <laughs> Several years ago I had a young man come to me and he had disagreed with something that I had said and he, uh, he come back to me a couple weeks later with his Bible open and he said, now, I've looked and I've looked and I've looked and I've searched and I've searched and I've searched and I know it's in here to where I'm right and you're wrong. And I said, buddy, I'm sure that it is as well. You just keep on looking. He never found it. I'm not saying I'm always right. I'm not saying I'm hardly ever right. <laughs> what I'm saying is do not allow yourself to be self-corrupted by the lack of desire to know truth. Truth changes me daily. I'm trying to hurry. I lost my my arm in 1995, I got it caught in a meat grinder. I'd love to tell my testimony, share my testimony with you sometime, but just not today. And it, it was a miracle of grace. But I got it caught in a meat grinder, and when we got to the hospital, the surgeon came in, and he said, okay, we've got two options. He said, because of the, the, uh, the, the raw hamburger hitting a certain part of your, your arm, I had my elbow left. He said, it's got into the joints and, and the bend of that elbow and, and said, we would have to draw that out and make sure we got all that clean. He said, or we can just go ahead and cut off that part of the elbow and be done with it. And I said, well, what will happen if I keep the elbow and we don't get it all cleaned out? He said, well, it'll set up gangrene. 
And he said, after it sets up gangrene, the chances of us getting that out of there is slim and none, and we would have to take the arm up to the shoulder. And my mama said, well, we need to pray about this. And I said, what's there to pray about? <laughs> rot, not rot. <laughs> Amen? Don't self-corrupt. Don't allow doubt and anger, hard-headedness. What are some of the other things I have, Lord? Don't, don't allow those to set up in the morrow of our spiritual body. And rot. What's the effects of all this? 26 said that we will be removed from our inheritance. <laughs> Moses told the children of Israel that once that they took their eyes off the Lord and started to live under their own standards and ways that they would be destroyed. He didn't just say that you was going to have a hard life. He said, you're going to be utterly destroyed. Man. That was their land. That was given to them. It was their inheritance. But they turned their back on God and they would lose out. Are you saved? Not has you been saved, not was you baptized when you was a kid or have you been baptized, not do you have your name on the roll, not have you been to the altar, not do you attend worship services, but are you numbered among the redeemed of the Lord? Have you been saved from all sin? Has the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you? Do you still hold an inheritance? Ask yourself that question. Then it said it caused division. Verse 27. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. And you'll be left few in number. Sin. All that stuff we've talked about is sin. Brother Mollahan, I don't sin. I hope you don't. And I strive not to. But have you argued with somebody lately? Now we're going to disagree and we're going but I mean have you argued to the point you walked off and you just got plain old right down mad? Boy, you better look in the camp. Have you forgot the covenant? Have you forgot the promises? Have you just began to tolerate the intolerable? Then he said that they would be weakness. He said you're going to be few, but not only few, but you're going to be few among the godless people. 
I got in a fight a few years ago in a bar, actually outside the bar, and there were 17 frat boys against four of us. Brother, not only was I weak, I only had one arm. I don't know how many people it would have took to whip me that day. I know how many they used. And not only was I weak, but I was weak among the enemy. Let me tell you something. The church is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And the enemy is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I don't know how you feel about this, but they say within the state of Kentucky that 4%, right at 4% of the population is homosexual. But that's a mighty strong 4%. They also tell us that over 80% of the population is Christian. That's an awful weak 80%. But in closing, we do have a cure. Did you notice what Moses said in 29, 30, and 31? Hmm. Let's read that again real quick. He said, but if from thence, but if from what? But if from the weakness, but if from the forgetfulness. But if from all the separation and, and all the division, if you will begin to seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. Let's read that part together. Thou shalt find Him. It didn't say ye might. It didn't say if he felt compassion that day. It didn't say if he was felt righteous that day. It didn't say if he felt love or, or any of that kind of stuff on you that day. What it said was if you seek him, you'll find him. <laughs> if you'll seek him with all your heart, if you'll seek him with all your soul, if you will come before God and say, I lay it all down to you, God, and I make my covenant with you. He said he would find you. And then in verse 31, it says that we must confess. He won't forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. But we have to confess that covenant and that we've been the one that broke it. I've been there. You've been there? I'll be honest with you. I've been there. And I blamed it on everybody. Oh, it's church's fault. They treated me better. They treated me better. It was this person's fault. If they had called and checked on me, it was this person's fault. I wouldn't feel the way that I feel if they hadn't done what they done. 
I blamed it on, blamed it on my parents. The weaker I got, I'd say, if they'd just leave me alone and let me work this out myself. And you know how I had to gain power? How I had to gain that, that powerful connection with God once again is I had to say it was nobody's fault but my own. I'm the one. I'm the one. I let it happen. I let it bother me. I let this go forth. I let that go forth. And then verse 30, he said, Obey. When thou art in tribulation and all these things will come upon you even in the latter days, if thou wilt turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient to his voice. What's God speaking to you? I have no idea what you're going through. I might know five people in this house. I have no idea what you're going through, but I do know that God is speaking. Are we listening? God's talking to your heart and he's wanting, he's wanting us to be overcomers. He's wanting us to be the church. He's wanting us to take on the enemy. He's wanting us to be obedient. We're going to get a verse of invitation this morning. I probably should have asked how that we go about that here, but I'm sorry. But I believe in the altars. Kneeling on them, sitting on them. And I'll tell you what I told my people a few weeks ago. We don't ever have to worry about our altars tipping over, and it's not because that they're nice and heavy built, which they are. They were handmade, but it's, we just don't go around them. Is God speaking to you this morning? Would you come and say, God, I just want to make sure that me and you are still in covenant. I know you've done your part, and I'm wanting to make sure that you're pleased with my part. I don't want the little things to go undone. I don't want to lose out because of something foolish. God, I want to make sure that I'm the man or woman that you want, us to be, want me to be. I'm where you want me to be, doing what you want me to do. As we stand and sing, would you come?